Today on the Dad the Best I Can show. So I, and I was 17. I mean, I should have been all together. I was just like, it was really exhausting. Um, but I got to see, you know, one of the things my dad is great at is um, building relationships. And so we'd go into these accounts and, and, and he was, you know, high-fiving everybody and everybody loved him. And I think, I think that showed me um, how personality and being a kind person and uh, I think that helped me on sort of the sales side of running my company. And so that always did stick with me. Welcome to the Dad the Best I Can show. My name is Rob Roseman, who wants to be a millionaire legend, Chicago futures trader, Vegas poker pro. Now I'm a dad to three kids, ages seven, five, and two. Phew. Wears me out just thinking about it. Each week we bring on high-performing dads like you, entrepreneurs like Jesse Itzler, CEOs like David Cancel from Drift.com, athletes like Ken Rideout, best-selling children's authors like Zach Bush to tell us your stories, your dad tips and tricks to help all of us make it through dad life. We have a brand new website over at dadthebestican.com. Go on over to dadthebestican.com and sign up with your email. It's 100% free, of course. Be the first to hear brand new dad guests and get weekly dad tips in your inbox. Okay, enough out of me. On to today's show. All right, welcome to the Dad the Best I Can show. Today we are lucky to be joined by Jeff Hillemeyer. Jeff is an entrepreneur. He runs Dragon Army, the fastest growing digital agency in Atlanta. He runs several nonprofits that we're going to talk about later. He is the author of the new book, The Five-Day Turnaround, Be the Leader You Always Wanted to Be, and he is a dad. Hey, Jeff, how's it going today? <laughs> hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. Where are you calling in from? Uh, our Atlanta office in um, Old Fourth Ward, right near the Beltline. Nice. Getting some great weather here in Atlanta right now. Oh, it's so beautiful. Actually, I've got a couple of meetings um, after this with some internal team members, and we're doing walk and talks, which are my favorite. Oh, yeah, that sounds like a good way to get stuff done. My wife and I went down there, and we rented uh, those bird scooters, and we, we felt like we were uh, teenagers driving around that area. It was pretty fun. <laughs> yeah, those are fun. So, Jeff, I want to hear all about the work you're doing in Atlanta with Dragon Army and your nonprofits, but you are on this podcast because you are a dad. How old are your kids now? Well, I've got five of them. Um, they range seven years old, nine, ten, and then one just turned 13 and one just turned 15. Well, I need a second to breathe. Just just hearing that, that is incredible. We have three kids, five kids. That is amazing. What is life like with five kids? Well, it's always exciting. Um, here's a perfect example. Um, yesterday, I was leaving um, Atlanta to head to Athens at three o'clock to go give a, a book talk to um, the entrepreneurship students at UGA. And I was meant to pick up my 13-year-old from school because uh, he was going to go, and, and this is one thing I like to do with my kids, if I can, is involve them in work when it's possible. So he was going to come and, and uh, watch the talk and travel with me. And um, at two o'clock at school, he decided to break his ankle. <laughs> so instead, my wife was with him at the doctor's getting <laughs> getting his cast and stuff. And so he was not with me. So there's always something going on, some, somebody <laughs> having a birthday party, breaking an ankle. You just uh, you just roll with it. 
Yeah, I'm guessing you've got a lot of experience. We had a, a broken arm once, and I guess when you have five kids, something's going to break, and you just have to you just have to roll with it and have a uh, impressive wife to help uh, lead the show. <laughs> yeah, having a, having a partner that is there and and ready to jump in is is uh, is certainly the way to do it. Yeah, and I was reading uh, you and your wife adopted. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, the nine and seven year old we adopted from China. Wow. So what was, I've heard a couple stories and it can be a challenging, long process. What was that process like for you guys and why was that so important for you to do? Yeah, we had always talked about the possibility of adopting. And then after we um, had our third and um, she was uh, uh, a year or two old, we started to think about whether we even wanted a fourth. And once we wrapped our heads around that, we went back to the idea of adoption. And we just went to a lot of different meetings where we learned about different countries and the needs for adoption. And our heart just really um, opened up to that idea. And then actually, um, China used to be a very long process, um, but it's one of the most buttoned down. It's sort of like you start the process and within a year, you will almost definitely have a child. Um, but there almost always going to have some sort of special need. Mm -hmm. um, if you if you want a child with no special needs, it could be five to 10 years. Um, so mm -hmm. China has really prioritized um, their children who have special needs. So, you know, it took us, you know, I would say around a year from start to finish. It was a tremendous amount of paperwork. You end up going for two weeks um, in China to, um, to get your child. And then you spend time going through all the um, processes that are required. But um, it's a pretty lockdown process. Um, again, stacks and they call it a paper pregnancy um stacks and stacks of, of paperwork but um all in all we, we couldn't have asked for a better process yeah so i've talked to a couple people that have done that but now that i, I have you on I've, I've always been curious what were the how did the siblings take it what were their thoughts on it how'd they deal with it was there some getting used to mm -hmm. having a new brother and sister in the house yeah, so one of the things we did was um, introduce them early, our, our three children early into the process of, um, the, you know, this is the, this is the um, country, this is, and then when we got a match with our child, so you get matched, um, and then it can be, you know, nine months before you actually get your child, but you can get pictures along the way, and some people even get to do videos, so they felt like part of them knew um, their new sister, and then ultimately their new brother um, by the time um, we were able to adopt. We took um, our oldest child with us the first time and then our two oldest with us the second time um, to China so that they'd be a part of it. But I have to say our, our kids just, I mean, it, th there's never been a moment since we've, we've had them where um, it felt like they weren't, you know, biological children as well. There's never been any of that. So I think we got very lucky with that. Um, but I think talking to them early about it and, and involving them in the process, I think helped a lot. Yeah, that's awesome. And I'm sure it does open them up at a young age to, you know, different cultures, things that are mm -hmm. different from them being more accepting of other kids. So that does sound five yeah, kids. Empathy. I'm still getting over that. We've got middle child syndrome. So with five, you've got, <laughs> probably got a couple that deal with that. How, how old are yours? I've got seven, five and two. So. Uh, oh, wow. You're in the thick of it. Yes. Yes. Thank you for saying that. Sometimes my wife and I look yeah. around like, uh, is this the, so yeah, your youngest, your youngest is seven. So I'm excited. Uh, as we, they say to treasure these years, but as you know, they can be a little bit of a challenge in the beginning. So I'm excited when they all hit this seven, nine age. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's great along the way, but yeah, to see them start to become 
you know, young, responsible people and have their own opinions. And it's, pre it's pretty exciting. Yeah, actually, I stumbled upon when I was doing some research, uh, your wife posted a video of your son doing, he was in the school play doing Willy Wonka. I forgot which character <laughs> he was, but it was great. And I was like, I was watching as almost like a proud dad. What, what does it feel like seeing your kid <laughs> up on stage, like acting like that? I got to be honest, it is so surreal because neither of us participated in drama ever. Yeah. So we don't know where he gets it. And, and the, the braveness of getting up there and doing that, it's, yes, we're sitting there like uh, in astonishment. We go to all of his <laughs> shows, um, you know, and, and it's funny because that particular play, um, he wanted to be um, Willy Wonka. And, mm -hmm. and he was like uh, the older, you know, so, so that their school went through eighth grade. And so he was in eighth grade and he thought he was going to get that and basically was telling everybody yeah, no, I'm certain I'll get that part because, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, you know, the oldest boy and, you know, I've been doing drama, you know, and, and then he didn't get that part. Mm. Um, and it was heartbreaking for him. Um, but he was able to quickly, he still got one of the leads, but it wasn't the Willy Wonka. And so to watch him go through that devastation and, and honestly learn some humility, um, but then to see him get on board with the new role and just make it as good as he could and, and own it it ended up, I think, being actually a better role for him. But it was that that moment as a parent where you're like, you know what, this is probably good for him. He's mm -hmm. quarter, you know, he's like won everything along the way. He needs to get hit a couple times, react to it, you know, learn from that. So, um, you know, it was heartbreaking, but then it became a wonderful thing. And so that's, that's the perspective uh, you got to have. How did you as a dad talk to him when he comes home crying and upset about it? Yeah, well, his his mom got to him first because I hadn't gotten home from from work yet, um, and you know I I think she's my wife's amazing and has taught me so much about listening um, and and just you know letting people have feelings. I think either as a man or as a dad, sometimes you're you're trying to fix everything. Um, fortunately, my wife and I have been together since we were 16. So we were high school sweethearts and together the whole way, and so she has taught me the um, power of. Um, listening and understanding and not trying to solve. And so I think that was when I talked to him, it was, you know, letting him get his feelings out and letting him feel upset about it, but then um, encouraging him to make the most of this new opportunity and, you know, trying to show him that actually this role he could really own and, and make it his own. And so that was the Mike TV role, which was like a, a kid obsessed with TV and video games and, and he, he can, he can literally be that kid. So anyways, it, yes, but it was a lot of listening and just, you know, let, let it out, bud. You know, it's, it's, it's okay to have feelings and emotions. Yeah. That, I mean, parenting is very hard, but when you see your kids up there on stage, my son just did the talent show where he's playing the piano. And I don't think there's a, a prouder moment as a parent that mm. you helped create that. And just like you said, how fearless they are in front of people and how, what a great edge that'll create for them as they grow up, if they can get up in front of people like that. That's right. A hundred percent. So let's talk a little bit about you growing up and uh, your parents. Where did you get the entrepreneurial bug? Was that, was that your parents influence? I think you were saying your dad was in, was in the yeah. vending machine business. That's right. Which is, which is crazy because I, yes, I grew up, my dad had his own company. His brothers had their own companies. His, his father, so my grandfather, it was all sort of in vending or gaming or things. And, um, but I never, even ever thought about starting my own company. I never 
was that kid that was like, you know, selling baseball cards and trying to, I really, I fell in love with tennis at like the age of 12 or 13. And then that became my life until college. And then I ended up playing tennis in college on a, on a scholarship. And, but when the, I, when the time came in college, so I started my first business in the dorm room, my senior year with my college roommate. And it was a very natural thing for me to say to my roommate, Hey, you know what, maybe we ought to start a, a company building website. Um, but again, I don't even know that I knew the word entrepreneur. Like I just, it, yes, it a hundred percent felt natural because I grew up around that, but it was never anything that I sought to do. So it was kind of an interesting, um, way that it, it played out. Were you involved in that business with your dad? My son, actually, he is, uh, as all kids are obsessed with vending machines. And I was talking to him a little bit about, it, <laughs> and I said, I would be speaking to you today. And he said, Oh, find out, uh, where we can buy one, how much it costs, and can I put whatever <laughs> in there? And I'm, I'm like, this could be a good business, but I'm sure it's more challenging than you think. It's a tough business. Um, I remember, um, yeah, so I used to work with my dad and run routes during the summers and stuff or to make some extra money here and there, and um, it's exhausting. Um, I remember um, I was probably like 17, and I, I went and um, – worked with my dad um the first day of summer and we left at probably five or five thirty in the morning um drove you know we have to go fill up the machine with all the product that you're going to go um, put in uh fill up the truck with all the products you're going to put in the machine um machines throughout the day and so you're driving everywhere unloading loading all the stuff and i remember i got home uh that night and it was probably like 6 30 um and my mom said hey dinner's going to be ready in a few minutes and i said all right i'm going to just go lay down for a minute and um and then, uh, you know, have dinner. And so I went and I, I literally in all my clothes just laid face down on my bed. Um, and then a few minutes later, my mom came and shook my leg. And I was like, oh, you know, I sort of groggily, is it, is it time for, for dinner? And it was actually my dad. And it was five o'clock the next morning. Oh, wow. So yeah. I, and I was 17. I mean, I should have been all together. I was just like, it was really exhausting. Um, but I got to see you know, one of the things my dad is great at is um, building relationships. And so we'd go into these accounts and, and, and he was, you know, high five and everybody and everybody loved him. And I think, I think that showed me um, how, um, uh, you know, personality and being a kind person. And uh, I think that helped me on sort of the sales side of running my companies. Um, and so that always did stick with me. Okay, so it's not just eating Skittles all day and Pokemon cards. There's a there, there's well, that is the funny thing. Yes, no, back to yeah, back to your son. Uh, it's awesome. I mean, my dad let us anytime we want to go in the back of his truck and just fill up. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> and it's you know, he probably would have been far more profitable had he not done that. But, um, I think uh, it is great growing up having a dad in that business. The other thing he would always do when I was in college is he would. Um, give me boxes of stuff because once it once it was a day past the exp expiration date he couldn't sell it but it was good for months after that so I was like the most amazing college roommate you could ever have <laughs> that's great so you play tennis in college <laughs> as well yeah yeah so I played um, on a scholarship at UNC Charlotte and would coach tennis during the uh, during the summers and stuff so yeah I, I stuck with tennis um, really until I had my I you know I started my my company Spun Logic in, in my uh, senior year and then came back to Atlanta and then when we had our first child um, you know who's now 15 um, that's when I said okay my business and now I have a child and I can't also make the time to play competitive tennis so that's really when I stopped playing about 15 mm -hmm. years ago. 
Well, tennis is a very solo, isolating sport, very competitive. I imagine a lot of the traits that you took from that you applied to your early entrepreneurial days. Is that true? Yeah, no, I would say that's exactly right. Um, and, and just being a college athlete helped me with time management, um, helped me with teamwork, um, the dynamics of a team, all that stuff helped tremendously. But yes, in tennis, what I love, what I still love about tennis is that it's all up to you. Um, you are out there, mano a mano. Um, you've got to fight through it. You've got to figure it out. There's no coaches that are helping you. They're not allowed to. So I, I love that about tennis. And the other thing I love about tennis is like, like if you're a, a sprinter, what was your sport, by the way, or sports? Yeah, I, I played tennis up until about early high school. And then, then you guys started okay. getting too good for me. But yeah, that's one of my favorites. <laughs> yeah. So like my son, my 15 year old runs, he's on the cross country team. He can sort of line up at the race and know what place he's going to come in. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, he's not going to beat the number one guy ever. I mean, it's just the, the, you know, the guy is running. Uh, it takes my son 18 minutes to run a 5k and it takes that guy 15 and a half minutes. <laughs> so, you know, he, he can't make that up, but in tennis, you can find a way to chip. It doesn't happen often, but it is possible, you know, and in, in my son's example, the, the number one guy would have to literally get an injury but in tennis, you might have a style that can match up well against somebody or you can outthink them. You know, it's just so like, I love the idea that everything's possible. And then I love about tennis is there's no time limit. Mm -hmm. So you can literally have your back up against the wall and still come back and win. And that I love. Most sports, it's not that way. You're deep in the fourth quarter. There's no way you can come back. With tennis, there's always a chance, which, which I think applies to entrepreneurship. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about it like that, but there is a lot of failure, a lot of, you know, coming back. I think I read a stat that like if you're down 5-2 in a set, you still have like a almost 40% chance of winning the set or something ridiculous that I couldn't believe. Oh, wow. Like you said. Yeah, no, I hadn't heard that stat, but if yeah, you're down exactly. 20 in basketball, good luck. Right, right. Yeah, and literally if it's a minute left and you're down 20, you cannot win. Right. But in tennis, you you can be down 3 set points. 6050 and or three match points and still come back. Yeah, the ups and downs of that sport have to rival any others. Let's take a quick break for our dad tip of the week brought to you by Kickstart Reading. Do you have kids between the ages of three and six? I've got two boys, and when my older son was going into kindergarten, my wife and I quickly learned that we had no idea how to teach him how to read. We found Kickstart Reading and watched one two-minute video together, and you could see his confidence take off. Bonus, I felt like dad of the year. Here's another dad talking about how Kickstart Reading is helping his boys learn how to read. Hey there, this is Chris Heller and I'm a big fan of Kickstart Reading. Each morning before school, I show a video to my four and a half year old son and now his little two year old brother is getting in on the action as well. I'm a big fan of the videos, highly consumable and engaging for young boys. Definite recommend for all parents out there who are looking to get their kids off to the right start with reading. Kickstart Reading. Go to kickstartreading.com and use the code DAD to get 65% off right now. That's D-A-D, -D, DAD. See? It works. Kickstartreading.com. Now back to the show. So on the Dad the Best I Can show, we like to do one dad tip. Can you, can you share a dad tip for other dads out there, Jeff? Yeah, I would love to. I think, um, you know, um, all, all, all parents, all dads have different schedules and, and um, time that they can commit to their child. Um, it's sort of an unsexy suggestion. But what I have learned over the years is when I am with one of my kids or all my kids or whatever it is, 
I try to really focus in on them and give them all my attention at that moment. Um, and so it could be five minutes with my nine-year-old daughter and she's showing me something she did for school and I am lasering in on her and really showing her that I appreciate her and that I am present with her and excited about what she's doing. And, you know, I think that is an easy thing. Like I think, um, dads potentially, um, um, can be around their family and not necessarily be as present as they could. And so to me, that's the thing I can say, you know, I struggle with it, um, being an entrepreneur and having so many things going on, it can be, you know, your mind is always thinking, but that's for me, like focusing on that child is, is the, the biggest tip I could give. Yeah, that's a great tip and something we all struggle with, but I imagine actually, I know firsthand too, as an entrepreneur, it never really ends. You don't clock out. How do you deal with, uh, you know, either calls coming in, emails coming in, or just your brain wandering about things you want to do? Is there like kind of a boundary that you set that you say, okay, I'm home at six o'clock for the next two hours. I'm phone is down with the kids. So, um, I, I think that I'm better than I used to be, but I'm still not, um, great at that. Um, so like, um, I, the good news is that I, I'm fairly good at delegating at this point, and I have team members in my companies are just sizes where there are people running things. And so that helps certainly when you're running a small company, everything's coming your way. Um, but, you know, I definitely try to put the phone up, um, uh, you know, when I'm with them for dinner and, you know, check in like here and there if there's something important that comes through, but try, try to be present. It's mostly weekends that I do very little work now. Um, if anything, I'll get up early on like a Saturday or Sunday morning and work for a couple hours before people are, are up. But I'm pretty good at that of saying, you know, what, weekends I'm going to not work and, and unless there's time for it. Um, nights are a little tougher. But again, the great thing about having five kids is they're coming at you from all directions. So there's really not a lot of time to sit and multitask. It's like this one needs to be picked up from this sport and this one's getting home and telling me you need to help with homework. So uh, it's sort of by design that I, uh, I am good about it um, in, you know, in the late afternoons, but I try to get home at 4.30 or 5 every day. And if I have like three calls in the afternoon, I'll just go home at two, make those calls from the house. And that way I'm there when they're getting home. Yeah. It's amazing what kids will do for your time management skills. You're almost forced right? into uh, creating these things. <laughs> uh, and yeah, like you said, it's something that we all are working on and I don't think there is anybody that's, you know, a hundred percent great at it. So even if you can make a 10% improvement where, okay, it's dinner for this half hour, my phone is off. That's a huge, huge return on investment for the time you spend with your kids. Yeah, totally. So let's talk about your book, The Five-Day Turnaround. I like how it's not your typical boring business book, kind of told like a real life story. Uh, talk a little bit about that and how companies can adopt some of these mindsets. Yeah. So, you know, I've been an entrepreneur since college and never, never not been one. And um, yet my clients have been um, leaders at large corporations. And so the thing that I would always hear from them is, you know, gosh, I wish I was more like you as, you know, I could make my own decisions and, um, you know, I, I didn't have bosses to report to and da, 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 I'm in too many meetings. You don't have to deal with that. And I used to think, yeah, that, you know, it is better being an entrepreneur from that perspective. But I actually realized, no, I have, I still have quote unquote bosses. Even if I don't have investors, I have clients that I have to make sure are happy or my whole business goes, goes away. Right. If I fail at this, I have tons of debt. I've let everybody down. I have to let everybody go. But you know, a, a chief marketing officer at a, a large company, they could let go 
they just go get another CMO job. Um, I've got way more pressure. And so I started to laser in on like, what is it? And I, and I ended up with like 12 to 15 mindsets of an entrepreneur that I thought, you know what, these are things that actually could be embraced by non-entrepreneurs. And I ended up getting that down to five that I thought cohesively told that story. And so, yeah, so then I took me about three years to get the book out, about a year of sort of brainstorming and thinking about it and coming up with different directions and then about a year of writing it and then about a year of editing and ultimately publishing it. And so the book is really geared toward a couple of different audiences. It's certainly a great book for entrepreneurs because it sort of is my recipe to entrepreneurial success. Um, it's also for um, leaders at large corporations or even mid-sized or whatever that want to um, learn how to embrace the mindset and, and ultimately unlock their team to be able to move more quickly and, and build a better culture. Um, and then the third area that I think it, it helps is, is, is a big passion area of mine, which is nonprofit leaders. Um, I think we overlook that startup community, which is people that have given their lives to try to uh, end homelessness or feed kids who are hungry and and they don't get the attention and they don't get the mentorship and so forth. So the book, I hope, also um, reaches them um, and helps them build better companies because um, ultimately those are the companies we want to succeed. Yeah, I really admire. I was reading about your uh, 48 and 48 and the other kind of nonprofits that you're working with and started. What is the, the 48 and 48? Uh, that was a really cool one. Tell us about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so 4848 is a um, nonprofit I started in 2015 um, to put on essentially hackathon events in cities to bring together hundreds of volunteers to build 48 nonprofit websites in 48 hours. Hmm. Um, after the first one in Atlanta went really well, um, the next year we did New York and Atlanta. That New York went really well. And so this year we did two Atlanta events. We did London, Boston, New York, Raleigh. Um, uh, we're going to Miami next year for the Super Bowl. So the, the organization is really taking off. And it's really because we're unlocking people's ability to use their superpower. In this case, it's storytelling, it's graphic design, it's programming, it's even project management and quality assurance, it's letting them use that to do good in the world. And so very rarely do people get that opportunity. And when that happens, they light up. So we're just really filling a need, which is giving, giving um, marketing and creative and technology experts a chance to use um, their superpower for good. Yeah, that's such a cool idea because, of course, going to the soup kitchen or, you know, donating stuff to kids is a great, a great deed. But you've got these experts. If you can, you know, help them design their website and get their message out there to more people, you really are, really are impacting more people. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yep, exactly. Oh, one tip. Uh, I was I was checking out your book. I think I like your tip about shortening meetings and how I guess a lot of companies are kind of set in their ways and wasting time. I guess that's a big, uh, big narrative that runs through the book and how mm -hmm. you can mm -hmm. even shorten it and say, OK, this meeting is uh, 18 minutes this time instead of 30. Let's go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And then you do the math on that. <laughs> and it's like, how many hours, how many weeks of time can you save by doing that? And I, you know, I believe that um, Parkinson's law is that work expands to, to fill the time allotted for it. 
Um, and so the same thing, you know, if you schedule a meeting for 30 minutes, it's going to take 30 minutes. If you schedule it for an hour, it's going to take an hour, but you don't always need an hour. That's ridiculous to think every single meeting needs to be 60 minutes. So yeah, it's just like hacks of how you can move more quickly and, and save time and be more efficient. Yeah, that law couldn't be more true, actually. I could talk to you for probably two hours about this, but we do have 30 minutes. So before I let you go, are you up for some fun rapid fire questions? Let's do it. All right. I got to sound the buzzer. <laughs> All right, Jeff. What is the first car you ever owned? Oh, a white Chevy Cavalier. What is your favorite meal to eat for dinner? Lou Malnati's Sausage Deep Dish Pizza from Chicago. Oh, I lived in Chicago. That is the best deep dish pizza. I, not, not everybody knows about it, but I'm, that's a great show. Oh, I'm so thrilled you think that. Awesome. We order the frozen uh, sometimes. It's not the same, yep. but it does uh, give you the nostalgia, and it's delicious. Agreed. What is your favorite movie of all time? You can choose comedy, drama, mm -hmm. or both. Yeah, it's uh, Jerry Maguire. It's, uh, it's got everything, including an entrepreneurial journey. So that's, that's the one. What is your favorite live concert you've ever seen? You know, it probably has, even though REM is my favorite band, I think James Taylor, um, we've, I've been to several of his concerts and I think he's just amazing. Excellent. We saw him in uh, Tanglewood in the Berkshires and it's, it's, he's incredible. Uh, incredible. Yeah. And uh, you were a tennis player. What is your proudest athletic achievement growing up? Oh, man. Um, gosh. Uh, you know, honestly, I think it was um, there was a point um, in college because I wasn't the number one player by any stretch, um, but I worked hard. And there was a point where my um, my coach said to me that, you know, I'm, I was you know, said I was the only player that he had that that every single point never gave up never never uh let a point down and and always worked hard and that to me meant the most because that's the only thing you can give is is your effort you can't guarantee you're going to be the most talented but you can give your effort so i think that's probably it that's awesome and a, a great message to impart on your kids uh jeff thank you so much for being on the dad the best i can podcast where can people learn more about what you're up to yeah, and I, I just want to say I love the podcast and I love what you're doing. So thank you for having me. Um, yeah, the best place is just jeffhillemeyer.com. It's H-I-L-I-M-I-R-E. Um, I blog quite a bit there. I also um, sort of uh, uh, blog the day-to-day -day of my life on Instagram as well. So I, I do a lot of uh, sharing there. But yeah, the blog there will uh, let you find my book or other things. I, I usually blog a couple times a week. So that's the best place. I love it, Jeff. Well, I'm in Atlanta, too. Let's catch up for coffee. I, I want to learn where you get the time to do all of this with five kids. So I'm going to bring my uh, bring my notepad. Appreciate you being on and we'll talk soon. Yeah, thanks. Thank you guys for listening to the Dad the Best I Can show. Go take five seconds. Hop on over to dadthebestican.com and sign up with your email to get weekly updates. Dad tips in your mailbox. Get your questions answered on the show. That's dadthebestican.com. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and leave us a five-star rating on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Actually, five stars. We could do better than that. Brooks? Infinity. Infinity stars. Cameron, how many stars? Infinity thousand. Infinity thousand. You got to one-up them in this household. Thanks. See ya.